Well, I know it's not everyone's story, but I was very fortunate to grow up with a pretty unbelievable dad. So my dad was a guy, he taught me hard work, taught me sacrifice, uh, as a guy who showed up at every event I ever participated in, like just one of those dads. Uh, fun fact about my dad, actually, is he is a karate sensei, which means he has been teaching karate for over 20 years. I'm not sure now if this is midlife crisis stuff for him, uh, but one thing about my dad now is he never lets me forget that he can beat me up. <laughs> and I used to take some offense at this because, now granted, I am not the world's toughest guy. I've just always thought, you know, I can stand up out of a recliner without every bone cracking. I don't make noise when I stand up. My diet consists of more than just bran flakes and multivitamins. I would at least have a fighting chance against my dad. Uh, I, however, no longer think that. Men, I'm not sure how many of you know what it's like to be tied up like a pretzel by your dad when your wife's in the room watching. Uh, I do. <laughs> In case you're wondering, it doesn't feel great. But the joke's kind of on him, because as soon as he loses his memory, I'll be telling a very different story. <laughs> I really hope he's watching right now. It would be awesome. The reason I tell you this, though, is that growing up, I always had complete confidence in my dad. Right? There was never a scenario or situation which I didn't know my dad had my back. And so now as I'm older and I look back at my childhood, I'm somewhat curious why it is that I found so many excuses not to obey him. Right? He'd always had my best interests in mind, and yet he would tell me to do things, and time after time I'd come up with excuse after excuse. And that's a small picture of what's going on in Exodus 4. Because last week in Exodus 3, God, he shows up and he reveals himself to Moses. And the Bible is full of a couple hints passages that once this happens, like you can't go back. In Exodus 3, that is a hinged passage in the Bible, because God reveals his relational name to Moses. He says, my name, it's Yahweh. I want relationship with you. And then Yahweh goes on to talk about how he will strike down Pharaoh. He will strike down the Egyptians and free the Israelites. And part of his plan, part of his strength is calling Moses to be a part of what he's about to do in Egypt. And so if there's ever a reason for confidence, Exodus 3, that's it. But what we're going to see is that Moses doesn't respond with obedience. He doesn't respond with confidence. Instead, he comes up with excuse after excuse not to obey what Yahweh is calling him to do. There's two things I know about everybody in this room right now. The first thing is this. God is calling you to something right now. Right? God, he drew you here. God's working in you. God is calling you to action in your life right now. The second thing I know is that somewhere you are having, making excuses not to obey. Okay, that's all of us. That's me. That's everybody on leadership. Everyone who will be here over the course of three services. We're all coming up with an excuse not to respond to God's call in our life. And if I could sum up what Exodus 4 is going to teach us today, if I could say it as simply, maybe as bluntly as I can, I would say it this way, our excuses are inexcusable. Whatever excuse you have, whatever reason and justification you're trying to sell for not responding, for not obeying God's call on your life, I'm just telling you, your excuse is inexcusable. And I know what you're thinking. 
that's true, but if Kyle knew the specifics of my circumstance, like if he knew the unique situation I'm in, he wouldn't say that. Not true. I'm telling you right now, all of our excuses are inexcusable. But what we will see in Exodus 4 today is that our excuses will evaporate in light of who God is. Our excuses will not be able to stand once God shines his light of who he is on them. So let's dive into Exodus 4, and we're going to see this play out. So just as a way of review, one more time. Yahweh shows up, and God says, I'm going to strike down Pharaoh. I'm going to deliver the Israelites from Egypt, and he's going to use Moses as his instrument. And this is how Moses responds to this moment. Verse 1 of Exodus 4 Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So it's hard to adequately explain the audacity of Moses' response here. Because realize, Moses is still speaking to the burning bush. God is, this is still the holy moment. Moses is still on his knees where he's audibly hearing God's voice in his life calling him to go and do and be a part of this picture of what God's about to do in Egypt. And in the face of that holy God, Moses comes up with an excuse. Now, before we start throwing stones at Moses, let's just be very clear about all of us this morning. God is not speaking to you through a burning bush. Pretty confident to say God is not calling you to deliver any people from any people group. Something greater than a burning bush came for us, right? Jesus Christ. And Jesus, the guy, he gave us all the same call. We all have the same call this morning. To live in such a way that Christ would be glorified. And that means that you would follow Christ wherever he might lead you. That you would live for Christ, whatever the cost is. And that you'd help other people see Christ by any means necessary. Right, That is the call for every Christian this morning. And yet, how many of us come, with, come up with excuse after excuse not to respond to that call? Right, What excuse are you giving God for not responding? So Moses, his first excuse is, I'm a nobody. Right, That's what Moses says. He says, they won't believe me. They're not going to listen to me. They're going to say I'm crazy. Right? Is the excuse that you're giving to God this morning that you're a nobody? It's wrapped up in your identity of who you are? Because this excuse that Moses gives, it's like the pinnacle of narcissism. Because remember, God just told Moses, I'm the one going to do the work, Moses. It's going to be my power, my might. And Moses blows right past that and starts coming up with the reasons that he can't be the guy that God can use. This is a very different Moses than we read about in Exodus 2 where he's the young buck killing dudes with his hands. Right? Because Moses, he's 80 years old now. But that's a long life in the wilderness. He's humbled. He's defeated. He's complacent. And when God calls him to be obedient, to go do this work for him, Moses is like, I can't be the guy. Like, I'm nobody they're not going to listen. They don't want me. Like, we already tried this 40 years ago. 
I can't be the guy. I'm just a shepherd now. And I love how God responds. He says, okay, shepherd, what's in your hand? It's a staff, the most pedestrian thing about a shepherd. And God says, take the staff, throw it down. Right? It's this picture of God saying, let go of who you think you are. Throw it down, shepherd. Stop letting who you think you are define you and stop using that as an excuse. How many this morning are using our identity as an excuse not to respond to God? Like we know he's calling us to live for Christ, to follow Christ, to help people see Christ. And we feel this prompting, we feel this pull to go join in on that work. But then we start questioning ourselves and think, yeah, but can I actually do this? I'm a nobody. Like I just work in the business. I'm a businessman. I'm a businesswoman. I'm just a stay-at-home parent. I'm just a grandparent now, retired. I'm just a student hanging out in classes. Like I'm a nobody. How could God really want to use me? And so we use our identity and we throw that in God's face and say, find someone else. Or maybe we're using the negative sides of our identity. We're defining ourselves by some struggles that we have. So why would God want to use me? I'm an addict. Why would God want to use me? I'm crippled by fear. I'm racked by anxiety. Or I'm chained down by insecurity. I struggle with pornography. I struggle with lust. My marriage is a mess. And we have all this long list of all the things that we are, and we say, say, God, they don't want me. This morning, if you are using your identity as an excuse, you got to hear God say, throw it down. Like, put that on the ground. Because as soon as Moses throws down that staff, what happens? It's that staff that God uses to show his power. Right? It's that shepherd's staff that he's going to show his rule and authority over Pharaoh, over nature. Right? When you throw down that excuse you're using, God will point people up with it. I have a twin brother. My twin brother's name is Chris. Chris is a pastor in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, he's married to his lovely wife, Alex. He has two beautiful sons, Haddon and McCray. Part of Chris's story is a lifelong struggle with same-sex attraction. And if you listen to him talk about this, he will tell you about these wrestling matches he had with God of whether or not he should go into ministry while having this struggle. Do people actually want a pastor who struggles with homosexual attraction? And so he wrestled and he wrestled. And then he finally threw it down. He planted a church. Praise the Lord, the church is blowing up. But over the past few years, he now has this ministry where he is counseling hundreds of men who similarly are married with kids, but who wrestle with same-sex attraction. Why? Because when you throw down your identity, when you throw down that excuse you're using, God will use that to show his power. If your excuse this morning is related to who you are, and you're thinking, I can't engage because people don't want to hear from me, because people don't give a rip what I have to say. No, throw it down because it's precisely that thing that God wants to use. Your identity is not an excuse. It's an opportunity.
throw it down. What other excuses do you have for God? Moses has more. Let's pick up the verse back or the story back in verse 10. So Yahweh God says, "Go." Moses said to the Lord, "O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue." So Moses pivots now from I'm a nobody to I'm not talented enough. Right? How many of our excuses are wrapped up in our lack of talent, gifting, or skill? Almost everybody. Like as much as we want to be salt and light in a city on a hill, we cannot help but be products of our, of our environment where we get our value and our worth based off what we can do. And so even though we know it's wrong, we're all playing the comparison game. And the way the comparison game works is you only compare up, right? You never look down and you never look at what you have. You only look at what you don't have. And so you might, again, you feel this call from God on your life. You feel this call to, to live for Christ, help people see Christ. And as soon as you start getting ready to do that, you hear this voice in your head. And it sounds something like, yeah, I want to, but I'm not charismatic enough. Or I really like to do that, but now what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? I don't know enough Bible. I don't know enough theology. What if they ask me to pray out loud? I don't know if I can do that. Or I really want to join in, but... I'm not that bubbly personality. I'm not that lightning rod leader. I just don't have what it takes. I don't have a really gift or skill that the church would want to use. And so we just make this long list of everything that we're not, and we put that up in God's face and say, see, use somebody else. And I love how God responds to this excuse that we're not talented enough. Verse 11, the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is not I the Lord? Now therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Right? I love this. God doesn't placate Moses. He doesn't rub him on the back and try to convince him that he's talented when he's not. Right? He says, Moses, you might actually be a dud, but... I made you just how I want you, right? You are my craftsmanship. You are designed exactly how I need you to be, so go. Because the kicker, it's not your talent. It's the reality that I am with you. Guys, do you understand how awesome this is? You don't have to be a superstar. God is not calling you this morning to be the next Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, God is calling you to be you just how he made you, with all of your quirks and idiosyncrasies and imperfections. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, I might be a dud, maybe you are. I don't know. But here's what I know. God's with you. I know God promised that he put a spirit in you. I know God promised never to leave you. I know that God uses the foolish to shame the wise. I know that God prefers the weak over the strong. I know that God wants to use the last and make them first. I know in God's economy, it's the most unlikely characters who accomplish his will. So maybe if we'd all just stop looking at one another and we look at ourselves and celebrate what God gave us, and we all started joining in on this mission of God to help people see Christ, 
Man, could you imagine what we'd see in our communities? I mean, the whole reason why God wants to use you is because you're not all that talented. That's the whole point of God working in you. That's why he gives you his spirit. God's not worried about your talent or lack thereof. He gave you what you have. He withheld from you what you don't. That's not an excuse not to jump in. It's inexcusable. So Moses, he first tells God, I'm a nobody. God doesn't care. He then tells God, I'm not talented enough. God agrees. God still doesn't care. And so at this point, we think Moses would just relent and give in and go with what God's telling him to do. Moses keeps fighting back. He keeps coming up with excuses. So back in verse 13, God says, go. But he said, that's Moses, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Third excuse, you just don't want to do it. This isn't even an excuse, right? This is just lazy. He simply doesn't want to go and be obedient. And when I first read this this week, I was like, how does Moses get off talking to a holy God like that? Because the first two excuses, although lame, are at least understandable. But now he's before the holy God, and he simply says, I don't want to do it. Like, how does he even say that and get away with it? I want you to notice something. I have this slide here. Notice how, what he says. Look, look at the name he calls God. So the first half, he says, Oh, my Lord, I don't want to go it. The preceding verse, God said, is not I the Lord. You notice how it's spelt different? All caps, that's Yahweh. That's the relational name that God gives Moses to call him by. But as the story progresses, as Moses starts to squirm, as he starts to come up with excuses, he starts pulling away from Yahweh, and he calls him Adonai. Right? Adonai, that's generic. That's an impersonal way to talk to God. See, our excuses are the manifestation of rejecting relationship. That's why Moses gets away with it, because he's pulling away from the relationship that God's offering him. When we make excuses, we're not just saying no to a call to action. We're saying no to God's power and love working through us. Right? An excuse not to jump in and to help people see who Christ is, you're rejecting what God has for you. Right? We're rejecting him. I think the hardest thing I had to learn this week, the soul searching I had to do, came from this excuse that Moses gives. Because the God we worship is the God we serve. And here's what I mean. If you're not all that impressed with God, if you never think that he's worth your life, you'll never serve him with your life. Right? If God's not big, if he's not holy, if he's not sovereign, you'll never respond the way to him that he wants you to. Right? If Christ doesn't look glorious to you, you'll never spend your life trying to make him be glorified. The God we worship is the God we serve. So this apathy towards God and his mission, this excuse that I just don't want to, as much as it pains me to say it, I actually resonate with this. Like, I get Moses here. Because I can just speak for myself. It feels like there's very few moments in my life where obedience feels like it's breathing. Most of the time, obedience feels like you're swimming upstream. 
and you're just going and you're going and you're going and you just get tired out. And the temptation for me is to go home, just turn on the TV, just read a book, just disengage from what the gospel is calling me to do. Because the gospel call it so heavy, it demands your whole life. And if I can be honest, there's times where I just want to say, I just don't know if I want to do that. Like, I just need a moment to myself. And when I get to that spot, man, I just have to ask myself, Kyle, who are you worshiping? Like, you want a breath from God? He's the one who gives you breath. This response of laziness, it's not a symptom of what I think about me. It's a symptom of what I think about God. Right? The God we worship is the God we serve. And that excuse that I just don't want to, that is inexcusable. This is an honest question. If you would evaluate your obedience to God's call on your life, how are you doing with it? And if we looked at just what our lives look like in response to make sure that Christ is glorified, looking at your life, would other people conclude that God is big and beautiful and glorious? Or would God look bland and unimpressive? Excuses are inexcusable. So how does God respond to excuses? Verse 14. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is there not Aaron your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. Right? So God finally just has, and he says, listen, Aaron, your brother from 40 years ago, I've already sent him. He's already coming out to you. I've been working in his heart. And when he gets to you, right, you guys can do this together. But then God reminds Moses what Moses has been missing the whole way through. That Moses, it's me in you. It's my words in your mouth. It's my power in your hands. And that's when the excuses will evaporate. In light of who God is. When you understand that God is with you, that the creator of all things, the God who paid for all our sins, that he wants to use you, wants to be with you, that's when excuses will start to evaporate. God is with us in all these things. And that's why it's inexcusable to have an excuse. So if we look at Moses and we, we look how he says, man, I'm a nobody. We look how he says, I'm not talented enough. I mean, do we see how he says, I just don't want to do it. Like, what excuse are you giving right now? Maybe you write it down. Circle it. Because I have to give you just one pastoral warning. Excuses have consequences. We're reading the story about Moses. And Moses is before a holy God, speaking to him through a burning bush. 250 miles away, there are hundreds of thousands of men and women who are being beaten to death by Pharaoh. Children are literally being killed. The situation cannot be worse for the Israelite people. They are dying off into slavery every year. And for 400 years, that's all they've known. 
And they have been crying out. They have been begging, God, will you send someone? Will you do something? We just need relief from all the death. And so God sees the cries. He sees the burdens. And he shows up to Moses and says, Moses, go deliver my people. And what does Moses do? I don't want to. I'm not the guy. I'm not talented enough. I'm a nobody. I'd rather just float through the wilderness the rest of my life. Are you kidding me, Moses? Like people are dying and you have excuses? Excuses have consequences. This is hard to think about. This is hard to grasp, but this is our reality. All of us right now, we have men and women in our lives. We have parents. We have siblings. We have kids. We have cousins and aunts and uncles. We have friends and neighbors and coworkers. And right now, they do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if they live their life and they die in that state, they will go to hell forever. God has put you in their life. And he says, tell them. Tell them about grace. Tell them about love and mercy and patience. Tell them that Christ came to save them, that they have a relationship with God through Christ. And we say no. I'm not the guy. I'm not the woman. I don't have the talent. I just don't want to do it. Are you kidding me? Excuses have consequences, and that's what makes them so inexcusable. But here's the grace, and here's the freedom, and here's why I love Exodus 4. It's the last thing that God says to Moses. So Moses finally gets up. He's seen who God is. He's done with the excuses. He gets ready to go, and as he's walking away, God says, and take your shepherd's staff. Right? It's the reminder. Moses, go. But remember, you have everything you need. Do not forget that I am with you. Do not forget that I am in you. And do not forget that I'm going to work through you. Don't forget the staff. Don't forget what you've learned in the wilderness. Don't forget what I've taught you right now. And rejoice and know that through every step and every moment of the process, I am with you. Do you understand the freedom that means for us? It means the end result is not on you. It means you go in the authority of Christ and he's on the hook for the work. You don't have to be the superstar. You don't have to be something that you're not and you don't need to manufacture talent that you don't have. You can go as you are and don't forget the staff that God will work through you. God will be with you. He's just asking you to be obedient. He's asking you to respond in faith and to go. There's two things I know this morning that God has called all of us to live so that Christ might be glorified. And I know that somewhere all of us are making an excuse not to do it. 
And I just have to wonder what would happen today if we all just died to the excuses. Like, what would happen in you? What would happen in your family? What would happen in your home? What would happen in your community? What would happen in your city? What would happen in Boston? What would happen in this world? Only God knows. He just said, go and find out.